Welcome to Preston's Super Show. Have a great program lined up for you today. WWE Raw results, grades, and reactions right here. You love it. I love it. It was a good Raw. But then I have some news I'm going to break to you. Some news that's actually worth talking about. Because you know me and the news is like, we're always fighting. You know, it's like a fight against the news for most people. Like, I don't need that. Uh, that's interesting. Oh, that maybe I need. And that's kind of how I approach the news. So let's start with WWE Monday Night Raw, where it's supposed to be. This is how they built it up. CM Punk, you know, going to talk to, you know, Cody Rhodes um, coming up here. You know, I just don't understand the CM Punk angle yet. I think the WWE is still working it out. But Drew McIntyre interrupts Cody Rhodes and CM Punk says, okay, maybe, you know, face to face Cody Rhodes. And it was just like, sometimes the WWE is give a guy a microphone and just kind of let him go and just see what happens. You might get some magic. You know what I mean? You might get some good one-liners. They, they, they might get that line out that they're all in the back. Like, all right, we just need him to say that and we can use that as the, the film and that'll be the cut we need to build this promo up. And that's kind of what it felt like for about five minutes there. So then when you get your first match, it's DIY. And that consists of two excellent wrestlers. And that is Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa. And here's the thing. Both of these guys have worked together for a long time. So that's why I like DIY. That's why I like that group. Because they're not inexperienced. They're not like, oh, we never seen you two before. It's like, nope, we've seen both of you wrestle independently. We've seen both of you team up with other people. And now here you are against two tough competitors, but not a great team, right? So the the angle I look at this match is Dominic Mysterio and JD McDonough. McDonough came up from WWE NXT. He got into the Judgment Day. It fits his character. And it doesn't make him conform too much to get away from himself. But the Dirty Dom has really just been in the, the ring a lot, right? Like Dominic Mysterio just keeps getting in there, trying to get better, trying to get better, trying to get better. And he does look at times, you know, very, very, you know, elite. And then at times he looks like, you know, kind of like he's blended in. So in this match... I think he actually gave a good performance. I think JD McDonough had an explosive performance. Moonsault, you know, almost winning the fight two different ways, pushing Johnny Gargano out of the ring. But let's be real, you got a real team here in DIY, and Judgment Day is a group. It's a, a faction. In DIY, man, this, this is a real tag team. Hashtag DIY, they get it done, and I like the match. I thought the match, like what I took away from it, was WWE's kind of pyramid, if you want to look at the WWE as a pyramid, kind of on that bottom pyramid are guys like this. And, and I'm not saying they're bottom talent. I'm saying this is like three-layer pyramid. So you got these guys, you got the next level guys that are a little bit more getting, drawing more attention. And then you got the top level guy, Roman Reigns, Cody Rhodes, you know, that category. Um, even Rhea Ripley at that top of the pyramid. 
and then the middle is a lot of people but then at that bottom layer is stacked with talent guys like johnny gargano who are pushing up that pyramid guys like siampa who are pushing up that pyramid and then you get dominic mysterio who's done so much work it feels like he's kind of on that second layer of the wrestling pyramid now and jd mcdonough he's still on that bottom pyramid because he's so fresh to wwe but he's been putting in work in nxt was challenging the biggest names and now he's here getting to show you how talented he is and show you, shows you that he belongs has that like i don't want to say he's anything like rob van dam but he has that rob van dam-esque kind of energy right that rob van dam had a lot of energy and when he came into wwe is very energetic and of course he was an ecw but when you seen rob van dam at wwe it was very energetic and that's what i get from jd mcdonough a very energetic guy who wants to put on a good show not worried about wins and losses and maybe he is maybe he is worried about wins and losses maybe he wants to win every match but at the same time it's about putting on a good show you know and that's that's kind of the difference in between sports and sports entertainment sports is we want to win we have to win our job depends on winning sports entertainment is your job depends on putting on a good show, a good performance, getting the fans to invest in you, time and money. So that's the difference between sports and sports entertainment for anybody out there that has a question about the two. I will grade that match as an A- minus because I do believe, like I said, Dominic Mysterio, some of his performances, I'm like, oh, that's elite. And the some of his performances, I'm like, well, he kind of just blended in. He was just like everybody else. But in this performance, I do think he stepped it up a little bit. And just that Monday Night Raw brings out the best in the WWE's talent. Indy Hartwell and Candice LeRae up against Chelsea Green and Piper Niven in the next fight. And Indy Hartwell, here's the thing. She worked really hard to get called up and... I remember when she got I remember when she got called up from WWE NXT to go to Raw. And it was really special for her. And that was a good moment. And it took a while for all of that to come together. But she was patient and it's paying off now. And it's paying dividends for her brand. So Indy Hartwell, I was really happy with her performance. But the one thing that stood out to me was that Indy Hartwell and Chelsea Green looked like they were on the same team because of their outfits. Like, I think women sometimes have a hard time, you know, deciding who's going to wear pink out there or something because it's like, you guys look like you were on the same team and Piper Niven got the memo and Chelsea Green didn't. You know what I mean? So Candice LeRae wins with the line salt off the second rope while Indy Hartwell's holding up Chelsea Green and they get the victory. And now we can see how long that Chelsea Green and Piper Niven little duo stays together now i don't know what they're exactly fighting for um but i could see indy hartwell and candace loray you know becoming the raw women's champions tag team champions so i i can see that in the future candace loray's been in the business for 20 years and indy hartwell is you know a, a top prospect that got her her calling here and chelsea green i feel like maybe better suited for the just for just doing her own thing and same thing with piper niven maybe she needs a little bit different type of energy because 
It's not even that they didn't have a good match. I think it was a good match. I give it a B minus because I don't like feel like the crowd was in it either that much until Piper Niven. Once you give her like so someone a slam, like let her slam somebody. And then the crowd starts to get into it. But you got to let the kind of, you know, the big girl do something here. So when they did that, then they let her kind of try to hit her, um, land a splash. You know what I mean? And it, it, it didn't, that didn't work. But I think the work itself was good inside the ring. So B minus. And moving forward, I feel like people will have a lot of respect for Indy Hartwell and Candice LeRae, but they should for Chelsea Green and Piper Niven as well. I mean, it's a tough business, but that was a, it was a good work. I thought it was an interesting matchup. So the next match was like a really good skit, how they drew it up. Like it was really good. So what they had was Gunther, you know, Intercontinental Champion. Here he is. He's going to, you know, he's going to return. He's talking. And then here comes Xavier Woods and he runs down there. And what does he do? Well, he interrupts all that crap. And then, well, th that's not going to fly with Gunter. So what's going to happen? Well, Ludwig Kaiser is going to step in there and he's going to, you know, wrestle Xavier Woods. And he actually won. That was kind of surprising. He won, but that's because the WWE does that thing. But they don't let always let guys finish a match. They, someone's got to get disqualified. No, you know what I mean? And that's the match isn't finished. So it's an unfinished match in my book. So you get Lowe Kaiser and Xavier Woods in a match that, you know, is like, well, you got to kind of let somebody win that, I guess. But they decided to let somebody win by, you know, technical default. So Lowe Kaiser wins. But, you know, they, they went straight at it. So I like that. But it felt like they both knew that no one was going to win this match. It was going to be like a disqualification. So they kind of were like wrestling up to that point. And then it was like, oh, okay. I see how they did that. So I'm not even going to give that a grade. I'm actually going to move on to the next match. Which is Aikira Tozawa up against Ivar. And the power of Tozawa helps Tozawa cap off a massive victory over Ivar. And I thought that was pretty cool. I mean, here's a guy that you probably have not seen much of. And I think Ivar getting some, you know, some opportunity, a really good opportunity here, made the most of it. But it definitely probably made more sense for Tazawa to win. I give that match a B, a flat B. Because I like how the whole match went. And then I like the aftermath of the whole match. Where it was like, Ivar Valhalla take out Tozawa and Maxine Dupree. You know, they laid out both the members of Alpha Academy. And it was, like, really good and interesting. I feel like the fans were getting behind that. Because then you got the Judgment Day up against The Miz and R-Truth. So, like, in my belief, R-Truth just didn't make sense in the judgment day but it was like a funny thing they were doing and that's how you got to do it with factions you got to keep it interesting so R-Truth did a good job making it interesting so and you know what they're missing that because think about it um for so long we're talking about Sami Zayn Sami Zayn Sami Zayn now you're not hearing a peep about Sami Zayn 
not a peep. And that's how the wrestling business will have you. It'll have your mind so twisted up that you're forgetting, like, who was just building all, helping all these superstars out. Like, you'll forget it. Like, you'll forget guys like that as soon as you don't see them. So, you know, expect Sami Zayn to return and make a big splash. But right now, it feels like the WWE kind of got what they wanted out of him for the time being and they needed to kind of draw up something else you know on the chalkboard for him so the judgment day they take down uh the Miz and R-Truth and I like the match because I think Finn Balor is the best out of the judgment day as far as talent I like I think we all get caught in Rhea Ripley she's big strong woman and we're all like enamored by that like you know so i think that is why she gets all the attention but i think like skill wise i think the most skilled wrestler in the group without a question is finn balor i don't think anybody can move or take the chances that he takes i don't think anybody does that except him in that group i think dominic is getting to that point because he's he's kind of uh, he's getting to learn from them, you know, and I think that they're learning from each other a little bit, but I think Dominic's definitely learning a lot more from Finn Balor than the other way around. It has no disrespect. That's just a matter of fact. And then you have, you know, I think that the Judgment Day dominating on Raw just shows, like, how the WWE is and you know you go back to Degeneration X and then you think about okay Triple H has been in kind of taking over control then you know let go of control got control back and you just see that some faction a, a, a faction has to be doing something on Raw you know what I mean and that, that seems like a stick in the business so Judgment Day continue that stick they're not going to lose they're going to win the match they're going to look dominant and you know our truth continued to believe he was a member of the judgment day was like the script and then eventually damien priest hits him with the uh south of heaven and then judgment day wins overall give the match a b i mean it's it was a good match. I, I wasn't, there wasn't anything in the match like a nitpick or anything like that. I just, I think that some of it is a little bit easier to figure out than other stuff. Some stuff is not easy to figure out in the WWE, but some things are like, well, they're kind of not hiding that or trying to even cover this up, that it's just the way they're going to do business right now. So then you get Shayna Baszler and Zoe Stark up against Tegan Knox and Natalia. Love seeing Natalia. Tegan Knox is a treat, but Shayna Baszler and Zoe Stark are much more suited for this match, in my opinion, because of the speed and dynamic of how they wrestle. Zoe Stark is strong, athletic, and Shayna Baszler is actually pretty quick, and she is a you know a person that can work really fast, or she could slow down. So that's why it helped Natalia and Tegan Knox because Zoe Stark and Shayna Baszler have to slow their role down when they get in here with Tegan Knox and Natalia. They can't go with that, you know, speed that you like to see from, you know, certain superstars. I give the match overall a C plus. 
I think Zoe Stark is great for the brand. I, I'm always excited to see Zoe Stark. And I, like I said, I've always, Natalia's lovely. She's lovely to watch. But Shayna Baszler, you know, she can dazzle you, and then she can razzle you. So that's kind of what I'll say about her. And then Tegan Knox, I feel like, you know, just the more time she gets in there, if they give her time, the better she'll be. Which leads us up to the main event, Seth Rollins versus Jinder Mahal. And let's be real. I don't care who gets a shot at the championship. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. That's not for me to decide. What I care about is the match itself. Is the match itself any good? So I watched Seth Rollins versus Jinder Mahal. And they have a good match. And I mean, they, they, they took their time. And they gave us a great Monday Night Raw epic. Which really helped the stock of this Monday Night Raw episode, in my opinion. And not only did it boost the stock of the show, it helped their brand. Because Jinder Mahal could not come out there and get worked or get um, destroyed or any type of thing like that. Because he's just so much bigger than Seth Rollins. And then on top of that, when you're stepping into the wrestling environment, and Jinder Mahal is talking the way he's talking, who is Hook and saying all the stuff on social media. Well, that's all good if you are a champion. You know, and if you are, if you have won some belts or you're, you know, of that caliber. But Jinder Mahal, I kind of look at that situation and say, that's just a big guy they're putting up against Seth Rollins. I'm just going to be real with you. It's just a big guy that they know can wrestle and he's going to put him up against Seth Rollins. It's going to make a great show. And that's what it did. It, and that's, that's, it wasn't like rockets figuring out rocket science. Like it's not that difficult. Put a big giant in there with Seth Rollins, and there you go. Jinder Mahal's been around. So it's not like they just pulled a guy out of the woodwork. He just isn't a staple in the company. He's not holding pages together of anything. He's just on his own page. He's his own chapter, and he's trying to build on his idea. You know what I mean? But Seth Rollins, really, this was great for Seth Rollins more than anybody because he gets to add another notch in his belt. Yeah, WWE, I was your main event on Monday Night Raw. I took down this giant. And what's next? Bring it on. And that's kind of where Seth Rollins gets a step back. But the match itself was good work. And the WWE nailed it with this match because let me tell you what. Seth Rollins is a great, he's a great professional wrestler, but he's a better sports entertainer. He is what, when you listen to Chris Jericho talk about sports entertainment, that is Seth freaking Rollins. He's a sports entertainer. And Jinder Mahal is not at that level. You know what I mean? He's not at that level. He, where he is is a good giant wrestler to be in the ring and be an imposing figure on people. Like a like you know, like a Mark Henry. Mark Henry was a champion, but like a Mark Henry. And, you know, that's a good company to be in for Jinder Mahal. And if he could build his brand into something similar like that, that would be very impressive, I think, in my opinion. But overall, that WWE Monday Night Raw is going to yield a B-minus total grade. I think that moving forward, they have a lot of good pieces in place. And they have so much talent to dip into. I'm really excited about this year for Monday Night Raw. And I'm going to watch as much as I, as I can, you know. But, you know, my favorite show is WWE NXT because that's where the stars are born. 
And I know they like to say that, but it is true. I've watched it happen. That is where the stars are born. And then when you get to Monday Night Raw, you get to SmackDown. That's where the stars go and they either become bigger stars or they fizzle out. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to Preston's Super Show. I'll be right back after this. Part two of the show, like I said, I just want to talk about some news. Let's start this off with a really good Chinese proverb. A wise man makes his own decisions. An ignorant man follows public opinions. I know you're probably thinking, probably true nowadays, right? After everything we've seen, that's probably very true. First piece of news, how about Better Call Saul? In season six with a terrible record, didn't win anything at the Emmys. Nothing. I feel bad for them. You know, it, these things happen from time to time. And I see a lot of shows nowadays, not Better Call Saul, it's actually a good show, but I see a lot of shows nowadays, and a lot of movies, and they're amateur. I mean, they're getting a green light to be mediocre. So when I hear these people that have been in the industry or been in the business for a long time, you know, and then I see what their name's attached to, and I see a lot of garbage, I automatically know that they have probably files, notebooks, scribble pads filled with those with terrible ideas. And instead of like correcting those ideas or like building something better, they settle for mediocre and they go into there and to like their forbidden book and they're like pulling out crap and we got a lot of we got a lot of shows like that right now they're crap they're garbage and you're like man you know if this is what the standard is then anybody can get in here you know you know what I'm saying like the standard was a lot higher at one point I feel like and I feel like the standard's been lowered so it's a great time to pitch my script great time for Badge in the Shadows to become a movie a feature film great time for Smoke on the Cruise to become a feature film because I'm telling you right now nothing I do is mediocre but what I'm seeing what I'm actually watching out here and people are like oh watch this show oh watch that show and I'm like okay you notice I'm not saying the names. I'm not calling them out. I'm just saying. I see it and I'm like, dude, that like I'm not even gonna respond back to them. I'm just gonna hopefully they get the hit. Like, dude, that was trash. Like, throw that in the garbage. Like that is a terrible show. It was, it was a terrible script. Where the actors didn't even believe in what they were doing. Which is well, that's probably the worst thing that could happen. But you see it. Very, very common. People don't care what their name's attached to. Something's wrong with that. You should care what your name's attached to. You should care what you're a part of. You shouldn't want to do mediocre. Not good. People know you as mediocre. You're not going to be the big shot. You're going to be the little guy. Little man. So I start off the news today with Washington State. Now a lot of people, you know, Maybe not familiar with Washington State. They think Washington, D.C. is in Washington State. No, it's not, folks. Washington State is West Coast. 
Seattle is in Washington State. Washington State is suing to halt the $25 billion Kroger and Albertsons grocery chain merger. They are claiming the state, the judge who's uh, blocked this now, and, and the, 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 the attorneys behind all of this, they're all saying that this is going to raise prices on the consumer. So a lawsuit filed in King County Superior Court on Monday seeks to block this proposed Kroger-Albertsons merger, calling it, quote, presumptively unlawful. That's the end of that quote. And alleging that together the stores would, quote, account for more than 50% of supermarket sales statewide, end of quote. This is written by Shannon Thaler from the New York Post. And the reason I like the New York Post is because so many people hate the New York Post. So I like the New York Post. And I'm, you know, I'm of that mindset. Like, I I alter my opinion slightly of the publics, but not to go against the publics, but to have my own opinion. And that way, I'm not like anybody else. And I have my own mind. You know what I mean? And I'm in control of my mind that way. People believe shoppers will have fewer choices and less competition is the bottom line. So, Kroger's and Albertson have more than 300 locations in Washington, 194 of which are in the Seattle metro area alone. And this is very interesting that this is coming out of Washington State. Um, California is now reportedly considering a small, similar merger blocking lawsuit. And if that happens expect more states to join suit and try to stop out this merger now usually i'm the voice of mergers usually i come in here talking about a merger is one company buying another company's debt and obtaining their equity maybe they leave them a little bit but normally it's a company coming in and saying you're not doing so good we're doing good we don't want you to go out of business completely we're going to buy your debt and that way you work for us now but instead we call it a merger you see, that's a merger. That's a real merger. Sometimes mergers can get tricky. It becomes very, very tricky with the contracts and how everything gets done. But basically, a merger in the general practical sense is one company coming in that's bigger than the other company. Maybe they're not even bigger, but they have the capital, the working capital to buy your debt. And then now you work for them. So they come together, still coming together. A lot of companies do this to shield themselves from lawsuits. And I'm not saying that's what they're doing, but I've seen a lot of companies do this. They, they do this to shield themselves from lawsuits. And the way they do it is very, very crafty. And they can do it by creating sister companies. They could do it by creating smaller LLCs that are uh, attached to the larger company, but share a legal responsibility of their own merit so there's a lot of different ways that can that companies can avoid you know lawsuits and it's all legal it's not anything illegal it's just the fact of playing it smart in a, a day and age where people are happy to sue and that's all it comes down to in my opinion and my personal belief and that's really what 
Preston Super Show is. It's my personal beliefs, and I like to sprinkle on the news, but it was a good piece, and I appreciate Shane that sat down and writing that for us. On a bitter cold January 16th day, you look at last night's election, and a lot of people don't even know there's a Republican primary going on. Yeah, the Democrat primary too, but no one cares about that. We care about the Republican primary. That's where the energy is. You know what I mean? No energy in the Democrat primary. Was it uh, Asia Hutchinson? She dropped out of her race. We didn't even know you were running, honey. But Donald Trump, he ended up winning. He trumped and he trumped them in Iowa. Um, after all, you know they're what? Pretty much done reporting. Ninety-eight point nine seven percent. Some stupid goofy number. Like whatever. Donald Trump, he wins that. He gets twenty delegates from Iowa in the primary. 56,260 votes. That's 51.01% of the vote. Ron DeSantis came in second, narrowly edging uh, Nikki Haley's lead with 23,420 votes to Nikki Haley's 21,085 votes. Look, let's be real and let's be honest about it. Donald Trump is going to win and they can do this we could go through this dog and pony show all we want. Uh, Vivek Ramsaway, uh, who I actually like, I think he's a very smart man, a very talented man as well. I think he has a, a much more talent than people even understand. I think he's a very talented guy. Outside of politics, he's an actual, you know, relatable guy. And I'm not saying DeSantis isn't. He comes from a military background, you know, so I respect that. I appreciate his service. Nikki Haley, she just, you know, She's just a firebrand conservative. And then that's kind of, I think, what kind of will fragment her chances uh, on the national stage, you know, if she were ever to get there in the future or something. But for the time being, Donald Trump's going to be the next president, in my mind. And the reason is, is because you're in a year where the economy is, is struggling to get going. Uh, inflation's not getting better. It's getting worse. The job market is getting smaller, not bigger. And um, the need for education, the, the, the lust for education is, is gone. People don't want education. People don't feel like they need education. So I feel like we're in a day and age where people want a little bit more conservative traits uh, heading into the future. They want to see those traits. And the way you get those is you elect somebody on the, on the national stage with a lot of power to to change a lot of things. And the way you can do that is you get Donald Trump in there and he can't change a lot of things. He can't do a lot of things. I know there's a lot of people that don't like politics and don't want to talk about it, but it's a reality whether you like it or not. So I choose to talk about it because I feel like by not, it's just a disservice to my own conscience. So Donald Trump with a big win there, but Vivek rams away. He comes, or Vivek, I mean, I'm saying all right, but he comes away with three delegates. So he says, He's out. He's dropping out. Um, and uh, I that means those delegates should go to Trump, but they'll probably do something or have some rule where it's like, well, they got to split those delegates up or whatever. But yeah, he dropped out after he seen those results. And that's a good sign for kind of everybody else to kind of just, hey, DeSantis spent a lot of money on Iowa. And now they're talking about New Hampshire. Well, I don't really expect the governor of Florida to do very well in New Hampshire, a state that is opposite 
in Florida and pretty much every way you can think. Then Nikki Haley, uh, what ties does she have to New Hampshire? You see what I'm saying? Where Trump actually has ties to New Hampshire. He's done business there in the past. And I just feel like Trump's one of those people right now that it's like, look, they can try all they want to slow him down and trip him up with all these different investigations and all this. It, to me, they're all frugal matters because the only thing that matters is me and you, the American people, our pockets and whether or not we can pay the electricity and the gas and put gas in our car. And I think that's what matters. And I think Trump understands that. And I think he said, you know what? Things aren't as good as I thought when he got in office. I think he started learning quick. Things aren't as as rosy red as they are back over here in Mar-a-Lago. Like, things are destitute. He went into some areas. He showed up in some places. He was like, you could see the look on his face. was like, oh, yeah, this area's been hit hard. And it's everywhere. It's everywhere. So let me tell you something. That is the reason Trump will probably win. But I think it's very interesting to note that even if you took DeSantis's votes, Nikki Haley's votes, you added those together and you added Vivek Ramsey, you still wouldn't have Donald Trump's number. So that's just another th small note to take away from that. Like he had that many votes in Iowa in negative weather. I mean, it's negative degrees outside. And I understand people will mail in a vote or mail in a ballot, but I still believe the majority of people are going to vote. I still believe that until we see the numbers that completely prove it otherwise. Then it's like, okay, well, the numbers are there. So yeah, you go with the data. But when the, if the data is not showing that, I, in my heart, I'm, I'm seeing it as, oh no, people are still going there to vote. And the people that mail it in, you know, there's still a lot of people that just don't trust it. They don't. And that's not up to me to, for them to, uh, figure that out that's not my job my job is just to talk to you and make you feel part of the show that's my job lawmakers unveil long shot 78 billion dollar deal to expand child tax credits and restore business tax breaks that's a big long shot cnn's reporting there and i appreciate that but let's be real folks you know i'm like this yes i want businesses to create good jobs I don't just want businesses to create any old job. I want them to create good jobs. That actually means something to people because if you have a job that means something, you'll actually want to go to that job and you'll ignore the BS all around it. You'll be like, no, that's just a bunch of crap. I don't get involved in that. I'm just here to do my job. And uh, when it's time for me to clock out, I expect I'm able to clock out. And if I'm not, then I want to know what the problem is. And that's the only thing I would say. Yeah, and when it's my time to go, I should be able to clock out. And if I can't, that I need to know what the problem is, why I'm not clocking out, what it's my schedule time to go. And once we figure that out, I'll be able to be leaving right on time because what my schedule is, is what I should be working. If I'm working over that, then something's wrong. Maybe they are short staffed. Maybe um, it's, you know, something going on with the company. But if it's a me problem, well, then I better get on top of that, right? So that's how I look at work. You know, do as much as you can to make it not about you just do the job and move on with your life then go build your brand and do your thing so social security again looking to raise uh and get another boost for social security users but the thing is you know they need to do that without 
um, charging them more for, for their social services. Like every time social security is going up, you'll notice that, you know, Medicaid, Medicare becomes more expensive. People have to pay more into Medicaid. People have to get more taken out of their social security for Medicare. So you see, it's kind of like a revolving door. That's like, man, someone's got to close one end of that door and say, yeah, you can go in and raise it. That's fine. But you can't come back out the door and say, yeah, but we're going to charge you more for everything you need. Like, that's not cool. Older folks need that. And especially if you have someone in your family who's on Social Security or Social Security disability, you know, that's that's something that's very vital to them to survive. And they paid into that system. They were promised that money. So you can't just pull the rug out from under people without paying up and see that's that that's why Social Security, I don't believe, will go and it'll continue to be funded, even if it has to come from outside sources. And I that's what I believe in my humble opinion. And I think as young people get older, they start to understand that because I didn't understand that when I was 18 or 19. I didn't understand that until I was about 24 or 26. And then I started seeing it differently. Oh, you know what? We do, Social Security doesn't need less. They need more, you know? And you need to think about other people a little bit too. Like, hey, I understand it's about you. It's about got to take care of number one. I get that big dog. But don't forget, you got to have a heart. You got to show heart. Social Security is a way people can show heart, you know, you, you know, by believing in that system. You know, people say, oh, Ponzi scheme, pyramid scheme. I see people paying their bills with it. What do you mean pyramid scheme? Don't just get attached to big words or big, bold statements. Look at the details. That's where you'll find the proof. Sony canceled Spider-Man 4. And I think that was a mistake. Because I feel like Spider-Man needs a redemption after that last movie. <clears throat> I do. I feel like after that last Spider-Man film, they need redemption. And I feel like the biggest mistake Marvel makes, and the reason that, you know, I'm not really interested in it too much, is lately, you know, has been, they just keep trying to blend all the superheroes together. It, I don't think that is the way it needs to be anymore. I think a lot of these superheroes just need to be doing their own thing. It was Spider-Man 4 was a great opportunity for that. But that has been since canceled. And I just think that's a bad move. But you know, also there's a lot that goes into those films. But, you know. It's one of those things to keep an eye on because in that Marvel universe, it seems like they just want to blend superheroes together all the time. And it just feels like they don't even need to do that to have to be successful anymore. And I know that Aquaman is kind of a, a outlier a little bit like, well, they tried Aquaman. Yeah, but the thing about Aquaman was the first Aquaman was great. Then they did it again. So then you got to ask yourself, I think there's a little bit of, you know, so there's some people scared over there because of how that, that last Aquaman went as far as, you know, the numbers and everything. But I think right now they're just a little, you're going to hesitate more, you know, on, on figuring out which project they want to push through. So then cloud 
affair is under fire after a TikTok video of their major layoff goes viral. And see, that's one thing about these big companies, man. And I actually, for my website, Cloudflare was was pretty helpful, you know, at kind of monitoring activity and doing certain things. So I understand Cloudflare. Cloudflare. I don't understand why they would be getting rid of people it's a good operation so for them to kind of trip themselves up with their big massive layoff video shows me that you know folks you just got to be careful out there you just got to be careful with what you get yourselves involved in and I think one thing that people are really starting to understand is, you know, you like I said about meaningful jobs, having a meaningful job, and then, you know, felt like that would be a meaningful job, and then to have it taken away from you like that, that, that sucks. It's a bitter feeling, and especially, you know, when you're getting, you know, the axe before, you know, right after the holidays, like, hey, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, see you later. It's like, ooh, that's rough, you know? Like, that's always a rough one because you kind of don't expect that. That's like, you know, companies don't, they don't do it well. So never, that's why I say don't worry about two-week notice. Don't worry about any of that. Well, you got a better opportunity. You got to tell them I got a better opportunity. I got to go. Yeah, you didn't do anything wrong. It's not your job to baby them. They don't baby you. You don't, nope, nope, nope. It's like, well, it's professional to do this. Yeah, well, there's a lot of things that aren't professional about this place is how I always look at it, you know? Well, there's a lot of things that you need to work on those being professional. Don't worry about me. I'm out of here. You know, that's the way you got to be with them. The judge blocks, uh, there's, there's a judge that just blocked JetBlue and Spirit Merger. Uh, so Spirit Airlines and JetBlue right now there's no merger happening. This is a big win for the Biden Justice Department. And this is where, you know, I I think that they may they may have made a mistake there. Because JetBlue and Spirit merging doesn't put any pressure on any other airline. And if it does, then that's like pressure for them to cut costs. So that's good for the consumer. So what why would they think that this is a win i don't like it i think it's the wrong move i think it's a bad decision and i think it only shows that the major big airlines are just going to continue to be major big airlines and people are just going to have to deal with what they get and i don't think that's right and i don't think that's good for business i don't think that's good for their business so i think that a lot needs to be changed with the mentality of how the economy is being handled in our country because you can see right here um, that politics plays a huge role in the business world um, and that is something that also needs to be addressed to finish out the show I said you know what I'm going to bring in something really cool today finish out the show with something that you may not have ever heard about yet Wi-Fi 7 right now we all have Wi-Fi 6 I mean, there might be a guy out there with Wi-Fi 5 somewhere, like, still figuring out how to use the internet, but m most everybody has Wi-Fi 6, okay? Every device you have, everything, you know, every piece of technology you have in your home, whether you have Comcast or Cox Internet or whatever you have, you have Wi-Fi 6. Going to make internet faster is the major stick from Wi-Fi 7. 
also known as IEEE 802.11BE. It's certified and launched, which means it's going to sh start showing up on consumer gadgets. And Wi-Fi standards are the responsibility of the Wi-Fi Alliance, if you didn't know, an industry body that works in partnership with hundreds of technology companies, including Apple, Samsung, Intel, and Sony, moving forward Wi-Fi development and regulating it. And here's the thing. The big difference between Wi-Fi 7 is it brings more bandwidth, okay? So it's allowing more of your devices to connect and continue to be faster, as well as when public networks get this, it will expand that public Wi-Fi that people use. So that will also help when you're using Wi-Fi places. Think about it. If you're not having a problem now when you're jumping on, um, you know, public Wi-Fi and some some towns have tried to implement it, you know, to see if, you know, they've created pilot programs to see if they could do it. Well, when they get Wi-Fi 7, it's really going to give them an opportunity to roll this out in the towns and cities alike that, you know, haven't have the amount of people that would make sense to have Wi-Fi. You know what I mean? And especially in areas that maybe are more rural that are kind of left out and, and very hard for some people to even get Internet in. Or maybe they're in a location where it's like they have to pay a fortune to even get it for that town to be able to hook something up for people like that to, to get connected would really help. And I think Wi-Fi 7 is going to help the world. How about that? So I think it's um, not only is it going to uh, help people travel faster um, with their technology, you know, you're going to be able to maneuver and navigate, you know, wherever you're at a little bit better with Wi-Fi 7. And especially all your products and how everybody's connected and so intertwined into this um, social media and all these different things. I mean, that takes your game to a whole nother level. But I want to talk about that before I end the show. I want to make a statement. I want to make it clear that I think the best and the brightest people, and I want to make sure this is clear, the best and the brightest people are not on social media. They probably don't use any social media at all. They make real money. They make real decisions. And they make real connections. And it doesn't have anything to do with social media. I think social media is great eye candy. I think it can open your mind, but nothing will open your mind like a book will. And nothing can get you stimulated like a really good conversation or listening to Preston's Super Show. And also, you know, I'm a religious person. I believe in God, one true God, in Jesus Christ. Amen. But I will say that whatever you believe in, keep your beliefs, hold on to your beliefs. And that's going to take you farther than any of your passions ever could. So remember that today on this bitter cold January 16th day. And I appreciate you listening to Preston Super Show. But I can't leave you with news at the end of this show. I have to give you the NFL recap because I nailed all my NFL picks. I gave six wild card picks, all of them won. I mean, what else do you want from me? What else do you want? Come on, lay off me. So first up, Cleveland Browns took on the Houston Texans. Browns were, you know, 11 and five going into that game. Texans were 10 and six going into that game. And well, 
I'll rephrase that. Browns were 11 and 6 going in that game. Texas 10 and 7 going in that game. We're talking about the playoffs now. So regular season out of the way, 18 weeks means each team played 17 games. So yes, the Texas rotated seven headed in that one. Browns were 11 and 6 headed in that one. You looked at two teams who really just anybody could win, you know, anybody could kind of pull it out here. And what did I like about this game? What did I like? Well, I knew that the Browns were not a team to be trusted on the road. And let me tell you why. You know, Joe Flacco had a magnificent run to the Super Bowl. But that was one magnificent run. And that was fueled by a defense that was unstoppable in, in many ways. And unpenetrable is probably the right word. But I would say that with this Browns team, you have a defense that is very good at home. They've shown that they can really compete. But they're not playoff tested. They're not postseason tested. And it's not in your building where it's cold and the other team is going to be slowed down by anything. It was on the Texans field where they like to go fast. They like to catch you out of position. And they like to kind of salt away things with a solid run game if they can jump on top of you. Well, they didn't even need to salt anything away. Joe Flacco could throw as many yards as he wanted to. It wouldn't matter in this game because C.J. Stroud was a monster. Youngest quarterback in history to win a playoff game as a Texan. And he routed the Browns 45-14. to Now, he did that with the help of Nico Collins, David Singletary, and a defense that just showed out only allowed 14 points and showed that the Texans belong in the playoffs and that people should respect the Texans and everything the Texans are, you know, bringing to the table now. I think it was easy for me to pick that one because I know the real Joe Flacco. And a guy who rolls off the couch, this is a Joe Flacco who's playing, you know, consistently daggering the other team, you know, with just different types of throws and everything. He was having a few good weeks coming off, you know, the couch. And then, you know, you get to the playoffs and it's like, no, no, no. C.J. Stroud is actually, you know, he's not even in his prime yet, but he's playing like he's past his prime. You know, well, he's not playing past his prime. He's playing like he's in his prime. And he's he's playing like a guy who wants to win something big, you know. Now, again, that's a wild card playoff. Wild card, you get it? It's a wild card. So Texans were the better wild card team. Then you look at the next matchup, Dolphins versus Chiefs. Well, a Dolphin, think of it, a Dolphin out of water is not going to do anything. So once they got out of that Miami weather, that nice weather down there, and they came up to Kansas City where they got to play in the freezing brutal cold, folks, come on now. Let's get real. I understand if you were a Dolphins fan, you ride with your team. That's what you do. But anybody else... I mean, it was it was clear as day to see the Chiefs are at home. It's freezing. This is where they want to play in the playoffs. This is where they want to be. Um, Patrick Mahomes giving you two Super Bowls. He's taking you to three. I mean, I don't understand the hate there. Um, he threw a touchdown, had over 200 yards passing. I get all that. Um, Rice uh, catching the ball, 130 yards receiving and a touchdown, eight catches. Pacheo. Um, he was probably the stud for the offense for me because he got everybody else. You know, he got all the eyes on him so everybody else could get open. Like Travis Kelsey, 
Justin Watson, different guys. I mean, it was like there were some plays, too, that the Chiefs didn't hit or guys dropped the ball or something happened, and it was like it didn't really matter because the Dolphins couldn't get anything going. Tua shows you that he's a lot like Tim Tebow in the playoffs. He's just not going to be a guy in the playoffs that gets you anywhere. It's not going to happen. Um, he's going to be great for the regular season, but he's going to be that, you know, you know, Matt Ryan type of quarterback. Great for the regular season. Awesome. As soon as we got to win something in the playoffs, where'd you go? And like Matt Ryan had the one year where his team lifted above everybody else and they got the, the ball to bounce their way and they went to the Super Bowl, it's still lost. And it's like, that is how I see Tua. Like, man... I'm not impressed with a good regular season if you go to the playoffs and you get chopped like that. And, yeah, they'll take something good away from it, but it was kind of like you guys didn't belong the way you played. You didn't belong there. You should have have had a different team playing the Chiefs, you know. But the Dolphins winning all those games just shows that they kind of had their excitement for the year. The Chiefs want some excitement. That's the takeaway. Then next up, you got my Green Bay Packers, the Green Bay Packers, who just own Dallas again. I mean, here comes the Packers team. Lucky to be above 500. I mean, lucky, blessed, and God's good to the Packer faithful. You know what I mean? You just got to be patient with the Pack. But the Dallas Cowboys, that is not America's team. That, I don't want to hear that ever again. I mean, whew, that is not America's team, folks. No, it's not. America's team doesn't play like that. And the Cowboys went 12-5, and won the division, 8-0 at home. And they show up in a game that looks like they they kind of, they were playing early. Like they already won. Like they were playing like they already won. Like, why try? We already won. And you're kind of like, what are they doing? This is bizarro world. And then by the third quarter, it's like, good night. You know, Cowboys fans are out of there. There's some remaining. And the Cowboys fans did them right by giving them some points, scoring some late touchdowns, made it a 16-point game at the end. But it wasn't. It was over. It was over by halftime. And I look at that game in a lot of ways and say that was the Jordan Love homecoming game. That was his game right there. Five hundred thousand dollars on the line, you know you know to win the game for him and he went out there and played like guy that knew the rent was due and he went out there and just played football slung the ball around as good as anybody you'll ever see do it and he was complete and you got to give credit to those Packer receivers Uh, hold on stop a second here this is like the youngest receiving court in freaking history in history and these guys are torching a Dallas Cowboys secondary in their building. But then, how about Aaron Jones? This is a guy who looked like his career might be over. I mean, it, by like week five or six, it looked like his career was done. Like, we were like, yeah, well, thanks for the run, buddy. Enjoy your money. And he said, well, I will enjoy my money. And what else I would do is come and make some more money. And, uh, oh, yeah, uh, hey, by the way, I'm going to kick the Cowboys' ass, too. And that's what exactly what he did returned home and put a smackdown on the Cowboys. Wow. Wow. That was just, I'll tell you, it was bizarre. 
That was the most bizarre game besides that game uh, week one. Week one when the Packers played the Bears, that was bizarre because of how bad the Bears were. I was I was impressed with the Packers. Don't get me wrong. Aaron Jones did what he did in this game. Torched the defense. Jordan Love did what he did in this game. Torched the defense. The defense did what they did in this game. Kente and the Cowboys. Now the Cowboys started scoring late because Packers pulled all their starters. This is where they're going to learn. You can't do that in the playoffs. You have to keep your starters up. Okay, I know you may be up by 30, but you can't pull your starters. You got to keep them in there because it's the playoffs. You don't understand. Every snap matters in the playoffs. Like you need all that experience. So when I seen the Packers like pull their starters out on defense, I'm like, oh, no, no, no. Don't do that. Put them back in. And they did. And I knew they were tired. But what happened? As soon as they put Preston Smith back in there, he's huffing and puffing wind. And he got into the backfield and made a huge sack and pretty much turned the lights out right there. So, you know, you look at that Cowboys team. A few years ago, they had a team with Ezekiel Elliott right before he fell out of his prime. They had Pollard. They had all, you know, the receivers they needed. They had everything they needed and they couldn't do it. And I said, right there in that moment, I said, okay, until they get a new quarterback and everything changes, they won't win with these guys, with this group, as their starters. I was, I haven't been wrong yet. I haven't been wrong yet about them. I've been exactly right. And I picked the Packers to win that game. So you'll get my picks later this week about the divisional card. But I want to move on to the next game. Where uh, Eminem's there, Big Sean's there. Bunch of celebrities there, man. Megatron played with the Lions, was one of the best receivers to ever do it. Really, really good receiver. Love watching him play. Yeah, I'm a Packers fan. I, I just like good football at the end of the day, but yeah. I mean, he had a lot of great games. And the Los Angeles Rams had a lot of heart. They're a 10 and 7 team coming in there who turned their season around. And, you know. They really shut a lot of people up. They surprised me, but they shut a lot of people up because, you know, one thing I, I did notice about Detroit is they just played at the level of their competition. Slightly better than their competition right now. So they're going to need a really big motivation when they play Tampa Bay because Tampa Bay is going to bring it. But the Lions, I feel like I liked their performance, though. I did like their performance. And I feel like Jared Goff is really good. You know, and he's in the right the right place, right time. And Matt Stafford's kind of like, just not the right time, you know? And it's like, could have been, but it's not. If they would have won that game, then yeah, probably is the right time for him. But if not, yeah, the way it went was like, nah. And see, the only thing, the thing that really bugs me about that game was the Lions fans booing Matt Stafford. Man, you guys got to have some more class than that. And I understand, you know, I'm not even ripping on Detroit. I respect Detroit. It's it's a city, you know, at the end of the day. And it's a good city. And it has its problems like every city. And maybe it has more problems than other cities. I don't know. That's, that's not really what I'm worried about. I just heard them booing Matt Stafford. I'm like, man, that guy put his light, his body on the line for you guys. And you're booing him. And I don't think that's right. Because you have a great team. You should cheer Matt Stafford on. You know? You shouldn't cheer them to win. You should cheer him on as a person. You know, as a human. He's a he's a person still. And, uh, yeah, I thought that was classless. 
I think Eminem had the most class in the whole building. Jeez. And, uh, you know, that's saying something. And I like Eminem. I think that was, you know, good of him to go there and support the Detroit Lions because the Pistons aren't doing nothing. Red Wings? Uh, you can really never count them out. I don't like the Red Wings. You can, you can never count the Red Wings out. You know, I'm a Blackhawks fan. Diehard Blackhawks fan. But I, I just, you know, I look at the Red Wings as a team like whatever. They'll be, they'll be there. Pittsburgh Steelers took on the Buffalo Bills. It was supposed to be the snow game and there wasn't no snow on the field. So they did a good job cleaning that up. And uh, I don't know where the Steelers go from here. They finished the season 10 and 7. They got lucky in a lot of games. It wasn't games that they were like super impressive in. They got lucky. And their defense bailed them out. But then when they didn't have the defensive guys that they need, you know, a lot of guys out, they don't stand a chance. But they did make a concerted concerted effort here to like really challenge these Buffalo Bills. So I like what I saw from the Steelers with Mason Rudolph. I mean, I thought that was pretty impressive. Two touchdowns, three for over 200 yards, tried to rally his team at the end. I don't know if they see it that way, but that's what I saw. And then the Bills win because they're at home and it was just an easy pick. I mean, come on now, the Bills at home. We know they don't win Super Bowls, but they do win in the playoffs. And uh, they won this game with without a hitch. They took the lead and never looked back. And that's, you know, what good teams do. Then you get uh, the Philadelphia Eagles versus Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And the Philadelphia Eagles. Here came a team that's just depleted. They don't have their top receiver, uh, Brown. Their uh, Julio Jones took a shot, and sh- and pretty much he was out. It's too cold to take shots like that in the chest. He took a nasty hit to the chest, and he was done for the day. And then they had nothing at receiver. They had Smith, who got open once and uh, caught a big one. And then, you know, me had eight catches for 148 yards, but it was really one big catch. And then just a couple other ones just nitpicking away. But the Eagles were never in that game. Like, the second quarter kind of just showed that the Buccaneers could win with field goals if they wanted to. Just showed you. And then uh, Baker Mayfield ends up putting up three touchdowns, 300-yard performance in the playoffs. And he didn't even, like, like when you look at the stats compared to the game, it's totally different. It's a bizarre world because it's like, he wasn't that impressive, man. The Eagles' defense was all over him, but their offense didn't do anything. And I think at the towards the end of that game, the Eagles' defense just, they were out there so much, they couldn't even tackle. They weren't, and I think even Ray Lewis seen it too. Like, he was watching the game with the Manning brothers on their cast, and you seen him going, hey, man, they didn't even, like, he looked like that look, like, bro, you didn't even try to tackle that dude. And that kind of told me the story that this Eagles team is going to get a shakeup. And, uh, you know, around the, the coaching staff and everything. And maybe even at quarterback. I think that I think that Jalen Hurts feels like he's lost his team. You know, him and Dallas Goddard, they're arguing on the sideline. What are they going to tell you? Everything, you know, peaches and cream, you know, everything's fine. And it's not. You could tell right there. It's They're back to dysfunction. But that doesn't bother me, none. Because to me, the Philadelphia Eagles and Dallas Cowboys fan bases are two of the most toxic fan bases in all of professional sports period and I'd put the Chicago Bears fan base up there and then I'd say very close is probably 
the Pittsburgh Steelers fan base, but they're so quiet, you never really hear them anymore. So, works out for me. Go Pack Go, baby. And the Green Bay Packers are moving on while everybody else's team is going on. Unless, you, you know, one of your teams won here. I mean, the, the few Detroit Lions fans that there are, you know, we know that they're fans now, but there haven't been many fans in the last few years. So, great that you guys show up when your team needs you. I, I do like that. But don't act like you guys have been here doing this for a long time. You guys just got here. This is your first ride. And we'll see how you stack up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But um, I do think the Lions have a pretty good chance in that game, to be honest with you. But you'll get my picks later this week. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening to Preston Super Show. Just like the hands of time, I'm turning it over to you. Good night, and God bless Pumps 37.4. Make sure to check out my new book, Smoke on the Cruise.